Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got an awesome episode chock full of everything that you want to hear about. We got Big Ten games this weekend. We got Harbaugh stuff. We got awards to get into that, that, that we'll be predicting for the end of the year. It's a jam-packed episode. We're probably going to be longer than normal 30, 45 minutes. We'll probably hit an hour today, but we just want to make sure we get to all the information, make sure you know about it. And I have my guys from Big Bookie here to talk about everything brand and Chris, they t- they handle all of the betting side of Big Banter Sports. They have an awesome podcast where they go into all of the betting stuff. I think they have a YouTube channel as well, right, guys? Oh, for sure, yes, sir. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let Brandon go ahead, introduce himself, and go ahead and let you know where you can find Big Bookie at. All right, everybody, uh, it's great to be on the show, Jared. Thank you for having us. Uh, so yeah, me and Chris, uh, along with Tyler uh, and Brant, often are uh, the Big Bookie podcast. Uh, all your betting needs. Uh, we're coming into the college basketball season, so we are going to have some jam-packed shows every Thursday at noon is when we will release those. You can find us on Twitter at Big Bookie. We are all Big Bookie BB, and we are also on YouTube and Spotify. That's where you can find our show. And uh, yeah, every betting need you need, we got you covered for. Very good. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate that. And if you don't know, we are brought to you by Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com. Do find all of your Big Ten media needs there, basketball and football as well. You can find podcasts for different teams. You can find this podcast, of course, the Big Bookie for your gambling needs as well over there. And if you like the Big Ten Huddle, please do like and subscribe. If you're listening on podcasts later after the fact, please do go ahead and give us a rating. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. Let us know where we can improve all those good things. All right, guys. So let's get into the games first. We're going to go into the games, and then we're going to get to the awards, and then we'll save the juicy Harbaugh stuff for last because I know that's what everybody, you know, tunes in for. And so we're just going to be mean like that and keep it till the end, okay? So <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we're going to get into Ohio State and Wisconsin first. Ohio State uh, 24, Wisconsin 10. Ohio State, of course, improves to 8-0. and They are tied with Michigan ahead of the conference now. Michigan can no longer say, hey, we're ahead in the Big Ten East because they, you know, had their bye week late. Uh, so they are tied. But Wisconsin does fall to 5-3. and And now uh, they uh, have dropped a spot in the Big Ten West with that loss to Iowa. So Iowa is now leading the Big Ten West. Wisconsin is no longer on top there I'm gonna go ahead and let Chris take this one first Chris what were your general thoughts on this game yeah fun to watch I know for those that listen to the big bookie podcast this week a big topic we talked about was this spread hovering around 14 and a half hopefully it comes down that magic 14 number and Ohio State did not manage to cover it stayed at 14 and a half they failed to cover um Ohio State did look sloppy I felt I felt McCord probably had his worst game so far at quarterback but I think it shows the resilience of this Ohio State defense to be able to keep these guys in any ball game I think when you go out there really Locke was able to put together one drive on that first drive out of the second half that he put together down the field but outside of that especially with Braylon Allen going down Wisconsin's offense was very ineffective against what the Buckeyes are able to bring defensively uh Marvin Harris was a wow offensively Travion Henderson I believe they accounted for over 75 percent of the offense um I don't know if that's something we can rely on week after week after week when we start getting into the Michigans and potentially the Big Ten championship and the playoff but it is exciting to see Ohio State in a game where they had to battle a little bit it was on the road in a tough environment at night and they came out in one by two scores so it's exciting to see Ohio State do that I'm so confident in this Ohio State team I'm interested to see what the Wisconsin, Wisconsin team's able to do to build off of this I think for Locke it had to have genuinely been a little bit of a confidence booster of he really played decent against a good 
playoff potential defense, and he was able to string together a really nice drive in the second half and without some weapons. Hopefully those guys get a little bit healthy and they can continue to contend in the West. Yeah, for sure. Brandon, what were your thoughts on this one, man? I would agree. Uh, This is the first time in a long time that Ohio State can rely on their defense to win them football games. I can't remember the last time I can honestly remember that. I mean, this has been an offensively driven team. And we can see that defense is the calling card for this squad. Uh, I was struggled offensively, but again, like Chris said, two-score win in Madison hasn't happened in over 20 years for Ohio State. So, I mean, it was huge, and I'm really intrigued to see what the playoff committee thinks of this Ohio State team. I would say they have the best resume in the country to this point, and I'm going to be intrigued to see if the committee agrees and puts them out one. They don't look necessarily always like the best team in the country, but – their resume stacks up against anybody. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see. Yeah, that's the dilemma here is that Ohio State definitely has the best resume of all these teams. I think if you look at like, you know, the strength of schedule, Ohio State is like top 20. I don't think another team is top 75 in the top five of the AP poll right now. So Ohio State definitely has the resume, but they don't look the part, right? Georgia still looks excellent without Brock Bowers. Michael Penix Jr. looks like one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks in the country. Uh, you have Florida State, who, yeah, here and there, they don't look great. But Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, I mean, all those guys are star power potential. They all have the quarterbacks. But then you have Ohio State, who has Kyle McCord, and it's like, you know, he's good, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say he's bad or anything like that, but he he just doesn't have that star power that you would want out of a team to be able to do that. And I don't want him to talk all Ohio State. I'll, I'll mention Wisconsin too. Uh, I got a little bit of flack on my power rankings because I, I actually moved Wisconsin up a spot after this game because I saw a Wisconsin team that was competitive and I saw a Wisconsin team in the West that had the best loss out of anybody else in the West, right? Minnesota got blown out by Michigan. That might have been for other reasons. Who We have no idea. But still, they got blown out by Michigan. Uh, Iowa, I mean, they ran like 30 plays against Penn State. It was just a complete awful performance on offense, and their defense still couldn't keep uh, the Nittany Lions under 30. So uh, when you have Wisconsin coming in there holding holding Ohio State to 24. The defense looked good. Uh, Braden Locke, it doesn't look like they're skipping a beat from Tanner Mordecai to Braden Locke. I don't think it's that much different with him. And you have to take into account, too, this was only a two-score game without Braylon Allen, right? I mean, they're on their third string running back. This is still only a two-score game. So I walked away from this saying, okay, Ohio State could be better, but they do have a good resume. But I walked away from this saying, Wisconsin, I think this team is better than maybe some people are giving them credit for. And, um... It's really going to come down to one of those games at the end with the Minnesota or Nebraska, something like that, because Big Ten West, as it normally is, is just chock full uh, of teams that are super competitive with each other. Maybe not the best teams in the world, but super competitive with one another. You guys have any more thoughts on that? I would actually have to agree there. I mean, I think Wisconsin's still that team that's going to come out of the West. I would actually also say Nebraska is lurking behind them. They are looking really well as well, but the Big Ten West has Four teams tied at top of a three and two the conference. So, and Wisconsin, I mean, they they fought. They competed for four quarters against Ohio State. So, I would agree. Yeah. Chris, you have more thoughts? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think if they get healthy, they can compete with every team left on their schedule. 
All right. Very good. Let's go ahead. We'll hit Penn State and IU. Uh, Penn State 33, IU 24. Uh, A lot of people might thought, oh, wow, they were at Indiana. It was kind of a sluggish game. No, they were at Penn State, and the crowd was not having it. I mean, dude, I was looking at those shots of the crowd, and it was just like, really? This is happening right now against Indiana? Because this was a close game until about the end. The only reason Penn State pulled ahead was because of a a fumble by the quarterback. I think Brendan Soresby was the quarterback at that time, fumbled it, and uh, they didn't pounce on the ball in the end zone. It just kind of kept rolling out of out the end zone. Uh, but but it was it was a close game, closer than maybe the the score indicates here. Brandon, what do you think of this game? Um, we talked in the podcast last week, Big Bookie, uh, that if there was ever a get right game for Penn State, it would be the Indiana Hoosiers, and to say that that was a vast, vastly um, exaggerated statement would be an understatement because wow, they did not look good. This game was tied with under two minutes remaining. Uh, most of the big answer family, I think, has Indiana as the worst team in the conference. And you're at home. You need to look good after that loss last time to Ohio State. And they just did not look good at all. They got the safety at the end to make it look a little more generous than it was. But this Penn State team, I don't know what to think of them right now. Yeah, Chris, what were your thoughts on this one, man? Yeah, no, definitely did not see this coming. 31 and a half point spread. I think we talked on Big Bookie again about, yeah, get right game. And it was one of those games about at one o'clock on Saturday. I was like, oh, wow, this is a little bit more ball game than I really expected it to be. I need to flip the channel over to this. And it was exciting to see IU come out and compete against one of these teams and play really well. Good for their fan base. I think Soresby played a phenomenal game. I think he has to be their quarterback the rest of the way there. Um, Penn State, Drew Lar really, again, did not play the best game. I did see an incredible stat during this game that he threw his first interception this game First one in 300 pass attempts. That's 100 more than the next closest guy to start a career, which was incredible to see that against IU. Odd team to throw it against. <laughs> kind of a weird game. I think mm-hmm. you know maybe Penn State overlooked these guys a little bit. I know you talked about Penn State defense being a very elite unit, and to see them struggle like this, it is concerning knowing that they do still have the rest of the season in front of them. They still have Michigan coming up here soon. What will it look like when they're facing Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy? They're not going to be able to play like they did this weekend. So they out of a lot to fix. James Franklin has a lot to get right before that. And for IU, I think a really inspired effort. I really think even in a loss, this has got to be very encouraging for their players, their recruiting, and just the program in general. Yeah, I had two thoughts on this game that were that were major. Number one, and I'll start with the positive for Penn State, is that Drew Aller's deep ball won them the game, right? It was that skyrocket deep ball. I didn't think it looked necessarily good. I saw highlights of it later on, and I was like, guys, I don't think this is that great of a pass. Uh, but, you know, it, still, he completed the pass. It was a deep ball, and it won them the game. So that's what you want to see is you want to see the completion. You want to see the improvement and the confidence, all those things. So I think that's really big for Drew Aller. And I think it was big for Keandre Lambert-Smith as well to catch that ball and say, okay, I got this connection with my quarterback. We can make this happen. My second thought was... I felt like IU kind of fumbled the game away, and I do kind of mean that pun intended, but you look at the mistakes that IU made time and time again with the penalties, giving up free yards, giving it up on third down when they had a penalty that that, that they should have taken Penn State down, and they shouldn't have even scored, or they should have just got a field goal early in the game, and then this fumble later on, Brendan Swordsby not taking care of the ball after, like you said, Chris, he had such a good game, not taking care of the ball there at the end. It's like, I, I almost felt like this was IU game to lose and they lost it 
I don't know if IU was playing for the win. I don't know if they were just playing to, you know, help Tom Allen look good so that way he doesn't get fired. I have no idea. But I looked at this IU team and I said, you could have won this game. And at the end of the day, you fumbled it away. Uh, is that fair? You guys think I'm off base there? What do you think? No, absolutely no. think it's fair. I think it shows, too, the inexperience of IU of really, you know, a lot of these guys just haven't been in that moment against a top 10 school. And I think that's what it shows at the end of the day is, you know, the top 10 program came out in a close game and was able to battle through. Even though it was against IU, Penn State was able in a big moment to make the plays they needed to win that game. So definitely think that's completely fair. Yeah, I'd 100% agree. I mean, they had the game. They were there the whole time. They were in the game the entire time. But at the end, teams, the coaching, the uh, experience, that all comes into play more than people think. And they gave it away. Yeah. Yeah, they did for sure. So, all right. And, but I will say credit to Penn State. They did what they had to do to win the game. That's also a part of the factor as well is you have to take advantage of those mistakes by the other team. So I'm not dogging you, Penn State. You did take advantage and you won the game. Uh, but I did feel like IU gave that away a little bit all right let's get to our next one man northwestern 33 maryland 27 i about ripped my shirt off when i saw this one i was like holy crap how is northwestern beating maryland this maryland team had all the hype mox mike loxley was getting coach of the year hype i mean we were talking about maryland possibly being a ranked team at one point they went into columbus ohio and they gave uh the the buckeyes a fight i think they were even up at some point in the second half in that game i mean it was it was crazy the hype that Maryland was having in the Big Ten, and then the loss to Ohio State, then the loss to Illinois, and it's like, oh, okay, and now this loss to Northwestern, where this wasn't a fluke. Northwestern outplayed them. Northwestern beat this team, and Maryland walks away kind of licking their chops a little bit, and it, it was just a tough one for Maryland to swallow. What would you think of this one, Chris? Yeah, well, first off, Brandon was the only analyst on Big Bookie to pick Northwestern to cover this week. Hats off to him. Excited to hear his thoughts on this. Northwestern came out and played really well. I think the biggest difference we saw this week that I hadn't seen in previous weeks was Sullivan's performance at quarterback. This is the first time it looked like Northwestern had a passing attack to me. I think Ben Bryant throughout the beginning of the season just struggled so much. And now that they got Sullivan up and running, it felt like their offense was really able to produce in this game. I think Maryland may have overlooked these guys. I think it caught them by surprise. I don't think Talia necessarily played a poor game, but defensively, when you give up 33 points to a Northwestern, you're not going to be able to win a lot of games when you're doing that. So right. I think it was definitely surprising. Awesome for Northwestern. I think they've really been able to put together and salvage a decent year with everything they went through this off season to be able to have the new coach there, be able to go in and salvage the season, be able to put some wins together in the Big Ten. So I think it's a major victory. I think for Maryland, this is super upsetting. We talked about earlier this week how Maryland's got the entire season in front of them and they need to really decide and determine what kind of bowl do they want to go to. This a nine and three team? Is this a six and six team? Is this a team that doesn't make a bowl? And I think for Maryland to start this hot with Talia probably in his last year there, they start out five and zero, oh, as you said, and a struggle in these types of games. I'm sure it's frustrating as a Maryland fan. And year after year, it seems they continue to drop these games in the Big Ten that should be very winnable. I don't know where that program goes from here. I think the rest of the season, it does feel discouraging, especially being in the Big Ten East as opposed to the West. It's got to be just such a frustrating loss to go to Northwestern. You expect one as a 14-point favorite, you don't come out on top. Yeah, what do you think of this one, Brandon? Uh, thank you, Chris, for letting everyone know that I was the only analyst to back the <laughs> Wildcats to cover the spread. 
Um, the wheels have fallen off to Maryland, it seems like. And it seems like, Chris, you mention this all the time. They go in, they compete, they do great, start off hot, and then the wheels fall off. And it just seems to be a recurring trend with this team. They still have Penn State. They still have Michigan on the schedule. And it's like this team was at one point nine and three. We were getting like, all right, Maryland is on the come up. And they just cannot get over that hump, it seems like, year after year. And again, you would I would agree, Northwestern, the quarterback situation was murky, horrible, bad. But Sullivan looked phenomenal. He did what he needed to do to win the ball game. And this Northwestern team, as crazy as it sounds, going into the season after Fitzgerald got fired, they have winnable games left on the slate. They can get this to a bowl-eligible season. They have Purdue left, I know that. I mean, this team, I personally thought this team would not win two games, and they're out here doubling that up already. And it's just so impressive to see and so disappointing on the other side for Maryland. Yeah, we'll have some Coach of the Year talk here later on, and I'm sure uh, David Braun will definitely be mentioned in some of those discussions for sure. Uh, I did want to make a quick note about Maryland. Um, this was supposed to be their time when they got to 7-5, to five, and, you know, this is a bowl team for sure. Uh, Chris, I heard you say, well, are they even going to make a bowl? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course they are. And then I'm like, hold on, I'm going to look at the schedule. Uh, four games left remaining. You guys want to hear them? Yeah. Yes, sir. Penn State, win or loss? Loss. loss. Nebraska, at Nebraska, win or loss? Dicey game. I think they come out on top of that game offensively. That'll be a good one to bet on. Yeah. <laughs> but, loss. but definitely potential for a loss at the very yeah. least. 100%. Um, at home, Michigan. Loss. loss. At Rutgers. Dicey. So you got two pretty much losses there, which are both their home games. And then you have two away games that are dicey there in the end. So uh, I, I don't want to say anything, you know, to to make Maryland think bad of themselves or anything here. And I don't think Maryland's a bad team. That's the thing. I, I think they have a couple bad games. It's just these were the two games you needed to win in order to secure that bowl eligibility. And now you're looking at a four game stretch here at the end where it's like, this is a pretty pretty rocky road here. We'll see. We'll Gotta see if they make it. it. They do. They do. All right. Uh, I see we have a few new viewers in here. If you are live with us, we are getting to the Jim Harbaugh stuff at the end. We'll get to the coach of the year, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year after we get done recapping these games. We have two games left. Our next one is Nebraska, 31, Purdue, 14. Uh, this was a game where Nebraska's defense really just – took over. I mean, they were up 21 to nothing at one point and Purdue, they just seemingly could not get going. Hudson card. I don't think that he's a bad quarterback, but Nebraska made him look pedestrian in this game. It did. It, it did not look good for Hudson card at all. Uh, I was really, really, uh, you know, thinking good about Purdue with Tyrone Tracy coming back into this game and Devin Mockaby, Dion Burks. I thought, okay, this offense is going to be able to do some stuff against Nebraska. They just weren't able to until the end of the game. And even at the end of the game, it was wasn't you know the offense doing anything spectacular? Uh, they just they were able to move the ball a little bit, get a few points. Uh, but at the end of the day, Nebraska just outplayed them in this one. Brandon, what were your thoughts in here? Uh, if you listen to the Big Bookie podcast this past week, Nebraska was actually I think probably our favorite player of the week. Uh, we had very little doubt that Nebraska was going to easily win this game, and they did it. The defense has been so phenomenal this season. And it's only getting better week after week, especially considering Purdue's turnover issues this season. They took advantage of it, and then they had to block kick for a touchdown. Um, and then Harvard, he's been enough to get game one. He's a great game manager. He's not going to go out there and probably steal a win against a very good program, but he's not going to lose you a game like 
quarterbacks earlier in the season might have for Nebraska. So overall, I love the way that Nebraska is going. I love the trend that they're at. They're going bowling, I think, this season. And Matt Rule's got them going on a really great path. Yeah, for sure. Matt Rule, uh, he was number nine in my power rankings for uh, Coach of the Year, but he's definitely much, much closer to that top three than uh, get him credit for. But we'll make sure we talk about that a little bit later on. Chris, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, Rule's got these guys fired up. It was awesome to see the bet of the week cash through. It was easy. Harvard came out very early on, scored a couple of touchdowns. Nebraska really played an awesome game. These guys have really improved. I think Purdue's secondary and defense altogether was a question mark coming into this game. They've just allowed so many points and so many yards across the entire season. And I really felt here's a spot where Nebraska, finally with a quarterback under center that I don't think is going to lose them ball games, as Brandon said, can come out and really take an early lead. And they were able to do that. I think Nebraska's defense, you hold card to 100 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions interceptions and three yards per pass. That is a major statement against any team in the Big Ten, let alone one that Hudson Card, this guy was starting for Texas formally. This guy's played in big games. This guy has a lot of experience. And to go against a guy like that and shut him down, I think it's huge for Nebraska. I think Nebraska has a lot to build on. I still think they're in the Big Ten West race. It'll be interesting to see down the line as schedules go what that looks like. But I think Matt Rule has done a phenomenal job. I think very early on, people were kind of calling for his head, very panicked about the hire. And this guy really, at the college level, succeeded wherever he's gone. I'm really excited to see how this program continues to build. And I think they've taken a big step in the right direction, especially just being able to go out and win so big at home in a game like this that they were supposed to. Yeah, I was really, really high in Nebraska going into the season. I actually, um, and it was kind of one of my like crazy picks, uh, but I actually picked them to win the Big Ten West and go 10 and 2. Uh, so obviously that was, you know, pretty optimistic, but I also saw a path where it could happen. You know, they, they have Michigan on this schedule, but they don't have Ohio State. They don't have Penn State. And so looking at it, I saw, okay, one for sure loss. I said maybe one more loss to a Wisconsin or an Iowa, but this team has the path for a 10 and 2. Obviously that didn't happen. Minnesota early in the year, Colorado, uh and then of course facing Michigan, but I do think this Nebraska team is better than I think some people are giving them credit for. This defense is legit. If Heinrich Harburg can just hold on to the ball and not turn it over and he can make the plays with his feet that he needs to make, which Yes, he's a game manager, but he also just has that electric ability to be able to make those plays with his feet. Uh, and so if he can do that, this Nebraska team is really going to contend for the Big Ten West, and we'll see if they can make it there. And as far as I'm concerned, if they make it all the way to contending for the Big Ten West, that's going to be huge. I would be ecstatic if I'm a Nebraska fan. First season of Matt Rule contending for the Big Ten West. I know divisions are going away next year, but I would just be ecstatic about Matt Rule and the future with him if that were the case. Purdue, I think Ryan Walters is a good coach. I think that he's just, he's got a lot of injury issues this season. I think that he is learning on the job. Matt Rule obviously has the experience at other schools. Uh, I do think Ryan Walters is learning, but I think the future is there with Ryan Walters. It's just, it's his very first season as a head coach, and it just so happened to be one that's injury-ridden as well. All right, guys, let's get to our last game here. Minnesota 27, Michigan State 12. All right. So Minnesota came in here and they made it happen. They off coming off that Iowa win where maybe some people thought it was a little controversial. Didn't really know for sure. Uh, but they made sure Michigan State put up 12 like they did last week against Iowa. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on this one? 
yeah, really, this is a game I think Minnesota could have won by more than they did. A lot of sloppy turnovers kind of kept them in the game. Jonathan or Jordan Newbin, phenomenal performance. 200 yards rushing, two touchdowns on the ground. Had to have been the biggest performance, I think, in the Big Ten. Really carried this offense. Um, a lot of turnovers from the quarterback. Biggest takeaway I had from this game Sam Levitt for Michigan State needs to be starting from here on out. He came in the game as a backup late in this game and drove them down the field for an easy score. I know for those who listen to the Big Bookie podcast, I was high on under 16 and a half for Michigan State. I felt good the entire day. Levitt, the true freshman, comes in and drives these guys 80 yards down the field, gets the ball back, drives them all the way down to the red zone, had an interception at the end to make sure we were tucked in. But he looked much, much beyond how Michigan State's offense has looked all around. We've kind of had the consistent theme this year of we're not going to back Michigan State until we see something. And for the first time, I really kind of saw something at the end of that game to where hey, Michigan State might have a pulse. We'll see. But really impressive for Minnesota. Uh, they've now gotten to beat these guys. They beat Iowa last year week. They're firmly in this wild Big Ten West race. Um, impressive performance. If you're able to run the ball like this on the ground, you're going to beat a lot of teams, and it's hard for these Big Ten West teams that struggle offensively to come back when you're milking this much clock. So definitely a strong performance from the Gophers. Yeah, I totally agree. Brandon, what do you think? I would agree, too. I mean, when your third string running back's got 200 yards on the ground, you're setting yourself up for a decent chance to go for that Big Ten crown. Um, they looked they didn't look great in the first quarter, but after that, they handled business. The defense looked great, um, and they just got it done where they needed to get it done, and they are firmly in that race. The Big Ten West, man, the, these last couple weeks is going to be an insane ride, and I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, I think going to this game, Jordan Newbin had six carries for 25 yards. He managed 40 carries for 204 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he was my instant running back of the week uh, in my best like performing position rankings because it, not only the performance of being there, but also just only six carries for 25 yards in the season. You throw him out there. Yeah, I know it was against Michigan State, but still, you throw him out there and he, he does that for you. I mean, I thought, okay, maybe Athen Kaliak Manis is going to find himself here he'll get it to Daniel Jackson they'll get going maybe they'll get Crooms back into it a little bit more but no I mean it was Jordan Newbin who really carried this team and the offensive line as well so I really liked the work that the co-offensive coordinators uh, I think Harbaugh and Simon are their names did in this as well I thought they schemed things up well I think they helped out their offensive line and also helping out the running back as well I really liked what I saw there and as far as Michigan State goes um Best thing I can say is we're about a week away from basketball season. <laughs> uh, that's my best advice for you. This is just one of those seasons where uh, you, you you just see the defensive talent and hope it sticks around and, and hope guys uh, stay and uh, hope that you can sign one of these Mark Stoops, Mark, Mike Elko's, Jonathan Smith's, uh, one of those guys to, to come in and, and build up this program because uh, it, it really is going to take a good coach to come in and make it happen. So... All right, guys, let's get to some offensive player of the year picks. All right, so I want you guys' top three picks for offensive player of the year. I went ahead and put mine out there. Mine are Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, J.J. McCarthy, and Talia. I don't can't remember if I had Talia or Blake Corum. I think it was I think it was Talia in there. Uh, but that, those were my three there. Brandon, who are your three? Um, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, far and away number one for me at this point. Uh, number two, I'm going Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. His injury may derail that chance, but he's been looking phenomenal this season. And then three, J.J. from uh, Michigan. 
Yeah, I, I thought about putting Braylon Allen up there too, but I thought maybe with the injury he might fall down a little bit. So uh, we'll see where that injury goes. But he ha- he is having a nice season so far this year, and he is really the the backbone of this Wisconsin team. So or this Wisconsin off- offense at the very least. Chris, who do you have? Yeah, love the list you guys got. I'd put JJ at one seventeen hundred seventeen hundred ninety nine pass yards, and he's barely played in the fourth quarter. Eighteen passing touchdowns, three rushing. This guy's dominated every opponent they've faced. Granted, it's easy to knock on the schedule, but you can only play the teams that you're scheduled on, and he's played them better than he, anybody could. He's rightfully the Heisman favorite right now. I think Maserati Marv has to be number two. This guy had dynamic catches against Wisconsin. This guy's had a phenomenal highlight tape the entire year. And I think it's obvious watching this Ohio State team this year that I don't know where this offense would be without Marvin Harrison out there. He's the biggest game changer in every game they've played in. I genuinely very much much feel that with Penix maybe potentially losing before the season ends, there's a chance that the Heisman may be up for grabs in an Arbor on November 25th. Lastly, Blake Corum would be my number three, 13 touchdowns, 600 rush yards. This guy's been able to take this Michigan team. Again, they have to play the teams that are scheduled in front of them. And he's done that far and away. Been best running back in the big 10, in my opinion, just doing what he has to do to continue to milk clock off and run the ball for Michigan. So, yeah, it's hard for the Michigan guys because uh, they they are only playing, you know, three quarters. So they really don't get the stats padded out there. But if you watch the game, and I know not everybody does, hopefully they do in the Big Ten. But if you watch the game, they're dominating every single team they play. Now, Michigan State did stop Blake Horm a little bit, but that was also because Michigan State was like, yeah, we're just going to load up the box and not let you run. And then J.J. was like, okay, well, I'll just throw it all over the place. <laughs> so you're not going to figure that out. Uh, we have a comment here from Jared Jones. Before the season started, I figured... Wisconsin would win the West after week seven. I thought Iowa. Now I think I have no clue what the heck is going on over there. Uh, Jared, we are the same. Uh, we were just talking about the Big Ten West. Could with, not tell you. With Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, now Nebraska is in the mix. It's like uh, this is the most competitive division. Don't think that means it's the best. That's not what I'm saying. This is the most competitive division in college football. It's wild. It's crazy. Maybe it's not the best football in the world, but you love to watch it. You love to see it. So thanks for that comment, Jared. Anybody else has a comment, please do uh, comment on what we got. We would appreciate it and get your insight. All right, let's move on to the coach of the year picks. All right, so top three picks for coach of the year. I put mine out there. I have Greg Schiano number one, David Braun at number two, and I do have, call me bias, I know, I do have Ryan Day at number three. I think the resume is there. I think that he does not get the credit for what he has done with this team. You have three new starting off offensive lineman you have uh honda mccord out there okay i mean what he's doing and this identity of this team has just completely changed from offensive led cj stroud put up 50 points a game to now it's like we're only going to score 20 but our defense is gonna you know beat you up and make you not be able to even play because we're gonna hold it to you so much chris what do you think about the top three for your coach of the year rankings yeah couldn't agree more on the ryan day take he is actually my number one coach of the year i think he is criminally underrated i think ohio state's fan expectations are just so large and the expectations are so big in columbus that he's not gotten enough credit for what he's done here he wins every game he's supposed to win let's remember when urban was coach here this was a team that went into Kinnick and got pounded. This is a team that went into Ross Aid and got pounded. And Ryan Day has not had that. He's going into these programs in the Big Ten and dismantling all of them. I'm excited to see how the season continues. I do think if he goes in the Ann Arbor and beats Michigan, it is without question the Big Ten Coach of the Year. 
Number two would be Greg Schiano for me. What he's done with that program for Rutgers, getting them a six and two, they're going to go bowling this year. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. These guys have played really awesome football and even really regardless of what it looks like towards the end of the season with this tougher schedule on the slate, he's really built this program and gotten in a much better spot than where it was when he was not there. And then number three, I know it's controversial. I know it's boring, but right now, the allegations, we don't know enough about them to not give Jim Harbaugh consideration for coach of the year. They've dismantled every team they've faced. Michigan's undefeated. This is a team that right now is going to be a playoff team if they win the Big Ten. And in my opinion, if you're winning the Big Ten, you're having to do some coach work. He's been able to build a program that, remind you, is two and four during the COVID year. They've gotten a lot better. I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with all the allegations as they might derail that, but going just purely off game results, it's hard to not include Jim Harbaugh in this conversation. Yeah, I had him at last in mind, and it wasn't because I actually think he's last. It's just because I think we have to put that on hold uh, for the allegations and what's going on. Last year, last year, last week, I had a number two. So obviously, I think he's really, really high up there, but it's just one of those situations where we kind of have to see where these allegations go. It's not actually he's last. It's just. If these allegations are still out there, there's no way he's winning Coach of the Year. Uh, Brandon, before we get get to you, I want to get to one comment. Uh, Jonathan said, granted, I'm biased, but when you see where Greg Schiano has brought Rutgers from, he absolutely should win Coach of the Year. I'm right there with you, Jonathan. If David Braun doesn't get this this, uh, Northwestern team bowl eligible, I totally agree. Schiano deserves to win Coach of the Year, in my opinion. I think it's great what Ryan Day has done. I think that if these allegations are cleared uh, and Jim Harbaugh's name is cleared, then uh, then he um, th- th- if those are cleared, then he also has a shot up there. But I think that Greg Schiano has taken this Rutgers team from just awful and bad and made them a respectable team in the Big Ten. Not the best, but respectable. Uh, Jared also says what Schiano has done with Rutgers is nothing short of amazing. Totally agree, Jared. Uh, he he, what he's done. I think I put out the stats. Rutgers has been to 12 bowl games now, with this being their 12th bowl game they go to. Greg Schiano is responsible for eight of those bowl games. Just absolutely incredible. Not only what he's done this season, but what he's done for the program overall. Brandon, you agree on Schiano or you disagree with us? 100% agree. He's in my top three at number two. Um, this We talk about the Big Bookie Bag podcast all the time. This is Rutgers' best team that, I mean, I may have seen at least a decade plus, maybe ever. They compete week in, week out, albeit they got blown out by Michigan. They even competed with Wisconsin for a little while. And this they can go eight wins. They get eight wins here. Going to Kinnick and win, beat Maryland at home. I'm 1,000% putting Greg Schiano at one for the end of the season. My number one right now, though, is Jim Harbaugh. Uh, results do matter. And until this is all cleared up, um, I can't not put him there. This team is the best team in the country, and it is a coaching masterclass by Jim at this point. So. Until we figure out what happens with the evidence and everything with the uh, allegations, he's going to remain at one for me. And then Ryan Day at three. Uh, Before the season, the media pundits were like, all right, Ohio State's losing four games, going to Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, and then they might drop a game somewhere else. And every week, the narrative shifts. Like, oh, they'll go nine and three. They beat Notre Dame, lucky win. And then they go and beat Wisconsin, Penn State. It's like this team is very likely going to be 11-0 going to Ann Arbor. And that is a coaching masterclass by Ryan Day. So that would be my top three. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think I, I think Ryan Day deserves more respect. And, 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 you know, he's Ohio State's head coach, so people are going to hate him. People are going to dislike him. That just kind of comes with the territory of being Ohio State's head coach. All right, let's go ahead. We'll get to the Defensive Player of the Year uh, ranking. So, again, if you guys have anything, you guys go ahead and let us know. But the Defensive Player of the Year, I put out a list. So I normally put my list out on Monday. So I'll put out my list uh, officially after this week uh, tomorrow. But but my list last week, my top three were Cooper DeGene, not just for what he does on defense, but what he does on the special teams as well. Uh, Johnny Newton, I'm not even going to try to say his first name. I like that his nickname of Johnny. Uh, over there at Illinois, just completely wrecking teams' offensive lines. I mean, the pass rush, the de- rush defense. I mean, it's amazing. And then Tyler Newbin from Minnesota. Tyler Newbin is one of the best safeties, not just in the conference, but in the nation. He doesn't get enough credit for it because he plays at Minnesota, and it's not exactly a sexy team to talk about but he is absolutely one of the best safeties in the nation and I love to watch him play Chris who are your top three yeah couldn't agree more on Cooper DeGene number one this year 340 snaps without giving up a touchdown this is an NFL corner playing a college's game he's really shined this year what he's been able to do on special teams I think the highlight of his year might have gotten called back on a fluky fair catch one might argue, but he has been absolutely phenomenal this year. This guy is head and shoulders above really any other cornerback, I believe, in the conference. Um, my second defense player of the year, uh, a little bit off the board, Ohio State, Tyleek Williams. Defensive tackle, he's been an unbelievable run stuffer for this team. He's gotten a couple sacks. He just seems to be involved on every play. And I think it's been a little while since Ohio State's had the edge rushers of the Bosa's and Chase Young. And this is a guy that's coming at defensive tackle and been able to create pressure, create havoc and really has been a big fixture in this Ohio State defense that has excelled so much over the last couple of weeks. And then for my third one, I'll be honest, I went a little bit off the board to me. Defense means defending against the other team scoring points. And I think it'd be hard not to mention Tory Taylor, Iowa's punter, as part of this argument. This guy I- is bought far and away one of the best punters I've seen at the college level. He's averaging 48.7 yards per punt, 22 of those 55 punts have been inside the 20. And I think a big reason I was winning football games is because they are being able to flip the field better than any other team in the Big Ten. I think it's hard to argue against not a defensive player, but this guy might do more than any other player in the nation to keep the team that he is facing from scoring points. He's been phenomenal this year. He's really been maybe Iowa's most valuable player. I can't say enough good things about this guy. For sure. I, I missed this comment earlier. We're talking about Ryan Day, but Jared Jones said, yes, we are talking about Ryan Day. And then when you're talking about Tyleek Williams, he's loving it. Great choice, Chris. Jared is giving you the props there. Uh, did you guys hear Joshua Perry talking about Tory Taylor for Heisman? I did hear that. Yeah, might, <laughs> might, be, might be a little bit uh, pump the brakes on that, but really, I mean, this guy has done has been incredible, right? Really at the college level to be able to have a punter that is this consistent and can boot it this well and is pinning teams every time he goes up there to punt. I just love your punter is your best player. I just I I think it's I think it's phenomenal. Uh Brandon, who are your top three, man? Um let me just say, yeah, that's the epitome of Iowa football for you. Um, <laughs> my number one is probably going to be Isaac Adisa from Penn State. Uh, the dude is a menace in the backfield. Six sacks on the year, double-digit tackle for loss. Uh, one of the top pressure rates in the country. He's just been phenomenal this season. Number two, I'm going Denzel Burke from Ohio State. The man is a true lockdown number one corner. People don't even throw the ball towards him. He's just been so good this year. The stats don't back it up, obviously, because he doesn't get enough uh, I would say, amount of throws his way to 
backed that up, but he's been unbelievable this season. And then I also have an Iowa player. I'm going Jay Higgins, uh, mm. linebacker. Dude is all over the football field, second in the country in tackles, and he's just been phenomenal this season for the Hawkeyes. Jay Higgins is that player that every single time I do these rankings, I debate in my mind because I say teams play so many snaps versus Iowa that you know his his tackle number is going to be inflated. But then I look at the stats and it's like this dude is playing every single snap. This dude is not coming off the field. So it's like, yes, his stats are inflated, but he's also playing phenomenally and he's not coming off the field. And it's like I I have a dilemma every single time. So every single time I either move him up or move him down in my rankings because I, I feel like I feel different every single time. Uh, but regardless, he is a phenomenal player and he definitely deserves that recognition as well. All right, so here's the juicy stuff. We're going to get to Michigan pulls the contract. Uh, I, I put offer here. I guess it would be the contract extension to Jim Harbaugh. Now, we have some conflicting reports in this. Uh, the original report, I think it was from the Washington Post or something, uh, they put out there so they said that this offer was rescinded that they that the uh, contract was not going to be given any more that it was talked about but it no longer came back however uh a michigan site put out there and said no that was not the case that rescinded is a wrong word this is more of a situation like what happened with the investigation earlier in the year with the recruiting stuff where they said no it's just not good optics right now we're gonna wait we're gonna hold off we'll give it to you at the end of the year um so in this situation i don't really know who to believe i think that michigan insiders probably do have more information but at the same time michigan is one of those schools that they don't really let you have inside information unless you speak well about the school now obviously ohio state usc other programs like that are are similar to that i don't know if they're on the same level but they're similar to that in those ways too uh so this is a really interesting situation here and chris i would love to know what are your thoughts on this whole Jim Harbaugh not getting the contract extension here? Yeah, well, I'll be very interested to see. It's very preliminary. Is this pulled? Is this contract extension on hold? I think hold might be a better word for this. I think, obviously, it's hard to give somebody a, a contract extension that might be under some sort of suspension, depending on what this investigation turns out to be. But it's so hard to know where this Michigan situation is at right now until we get further details from the NCAA. When I'm reading about Michigan manifestos being written and Reddit boards talking about video recordings, it's really tough to say, what is this? What What are the allegations? What are the rules that are being broken without actual concrete evidence. My biggest takeaway from this entire situation that needs to be fixed in college football, and I want to credit Joel Klatt for mentioning it. I had not thought about it. I thought this is the solution is we need to just get radios and helmets. The fact that we're still signaling in from the sidelines, it seems so easy to avoid where the NFL, we're able to radio in the players now plays. It feels like this is just such a situation that it feels 1900s. It feels avoidable. I think it's something where is it against the rules? Yes, but I, I understand too. Is Michigan the only team doing this? Probably not. So I think it's tough to look at Michigan, make them the scapegoat for this when there might be plenty of other teams being involved as well where the evidence just hasn't been leaked. So I really don't have many thoughts on this at all until we really hear more from the NCAA or from Michigan regarding concrete evidence that this is something that's violated the rules and 
it will be interesting to see how this does affect Jim Harbaugh's extension. I do expect this to be something that'll be resolved by the end of the year to where if there is no allegations and it turns out not to be concrete evidence, he will still get that extension as he's earned it by his on-field play. And if there is allegations, then it might be something that'll be considered. But Chris, if we put radios in the helmets, we're going to lose the Patrick Starr signs and the memes and all those things. I, I don't know about you, but I like when they cut to the coach and they're, you know, doing all these signals and then SpongeBob is above their head. Uh, you know, but no, I think, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of information that's missing here and a lot of it is sources and reports. And, uh, you know, I do think that Michigan fans have that right when they say that. I do think that Michigan fans are going a little over the top saying, Oh, no rules were broken here. I, I think it's pretty clear that at least some rules were broken. Maybe not to the extent that some rival fan bases want to put out there, but I do think it's pretty clear there were some rules broken here uh brandon do you feel like that it was warranted to rescind or hold or uh, you know maybe just put off this contract extension what are your thoughts yeah i mean you can't give him the contract extension with all the allegation that's going on right now uh it is a great idea to keep it on hold until it's all sorted out uh again with what chris said i 1000 even at the high school level we get te- we have more technology than we do in the college game it's up we go, a little bit of technology, archaic, nothing boards with Patrick Starr on them, to, or to the NFL where we have the technology in the helmets. It's like, what are we doing? Did they break rules? I don't know yet. Uh, are the rules stupid? Probably. Yeah. But I just can't have any comment on it until I figure out, or they officially say what it happened, officially concrete evidence, because the rumors, man, I mean, we get a new one every single day and they just get more outlandish as it goes. And until we get concrete, factual evidence, I have nothing for it. Did Ryan Day hire the PI firm, though? (laughs) (laughs) He might have. (laughs) Or, better yet, the new uh, rumor that's surfaced, did Ryan Day hire his FBI brother, or is it brother or brother-in-law, uh, something like that, to uh, to do all the Matt Weiss uh, stuff? Which I think that's the part that is is being overlooked in all this is the Matt Weiss stuff. Not not that it's connected to the allegations. I don't think that it is. Actually, you know, local police came out and said that it's not connected. However. Uh, how does the Michigan Board of Regents, the the trust, you know, all of these people in charge, Ward Manual, how do they feel that you have an NCAA recruiting violation going on? You have this possible scandal. We don't know. Like you said, we don't know if any rules have actually been broken yet or not. It seems like it, but we don't know for sure uh, or not uh, that going on. And ever since January, this Matt Wee stuff going on, not to mention also the hiring of Schimbeckler earlier this year. That was obviously very controversial. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, you know, it's connected to what's going on right now with the cheating allegations. But I do think that there is probably some of this that is being thought through by the higher ups as well to say, Hey, this, this guy's not really giving us a great light right now. Yeah, we're winning games. Yeah, we're doing all the things we need to do. But is this really the kind of reputation that we want? Do you guys think that this could be playing into the contract extension as well? 100%. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's a bad PR hit to do it right now. I think they're not willing to take that. I think the more they can downplay this would definitely be significant. But at the end of the day, too, I think Jim Harbaugh is still immensely popular. He might be the most popular Michigan coach that fan base has ever had. The fact he played there, he was so successful in the NFL, and he's been able to finally conquer the hill with Ohio State and beat them two times in dominating fashion. I don't think the allegations for the Michigan fan base really are a problem. I don't think they're concerned with it. I think they look at it as good gamesmanship. I think people really up in arms about it are more of your Ohio State, Penn State kind of rival schools, but mm-hmm. no, bad PR to be able to give it to them right now. But once this thing dies out, if it does, they absolutely will. And if it doesn't die out, I can tell you what, if there's a lot of allegations and they do fire them, I'm watching the Bears on Sunday Night Football right now. <laughs> I think they'd love Jim Marvel to come coach them next year. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you got any more thoughts, Brandon? No, I think you guys hit it on the nail. Eric, All right. The nail on the All right. Hey, thanks so much for Big Bookie coming on. Appreciate you guys. Do remember to please like and subscribe. We appreciate you all watching today. Uh, we are brought to you by Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. Please do check us out for all your Big Ten media needs. And check out Big Bookie on uh, YouTube, Twitter, all those sites for you as well. You can find all of your gambling needs there. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great night.